Imagine if each morning when you wake up, you're smiling and looking forward to your day, knowing you are happy even while you're dealing with grief and loss. The Grief and Happiness Podcasts inspires, comforts, and supports you with each new episode. I'm Emily Zerothret, welcoming you to explore with me your life of endless possibilities. Aloha. I'm so happy that you came today to hear my very special guest, Greg Barnsdale. And he's in Canada. I was going to say sunny Canada, but I'm not sure it is right now. <laughs> and I, he will, Greg, can you just introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about you and why you're here? Yes, yes. Well, thank you for having me, Emily. My background is a, a funeral director where I've worked in the financial, sorry, the funeral industry for quite a number of years, but I've also worked in the financial industry as a certified financial planner. I'm also a certified executor advisor. And over the years, working in both those two industries, I developed a strong interest in estate planning. And I noticed that the vast number of cases, especially working as a funeral director, in in so many of the situations, the anguish and the turmoil that families were going through at the time of a death could easily have been avoided if some of this some of the planning had have been done in advance and it's not overly difficult to do the tough thing is really just having the courage to talk about these things beforehand so i i tried a number of different things to to help people with this sensitive topic. And I finally figured out what I should do was actually write a book. And I did that. I published this book. It's called um, Do Not Ignore Your Mortality, Practical Advice from a Funeral and Financial Insider. So it's a short book. It's a compelling read. And it's really just meant as a conversation starter to get people thinking about these sorts of things and speaking with their family members. Um, so that's really, I hope that answers your question at this point, Emily. I could go on, but uh, does that get to the point? It really does. This is something that way too many people don't pay attention to until they're in a position where they, it's not the best time for them to make decisions. And if you can handle things ahead of time, it really gives you a great peace of mind so that you don't have to worry about it when the time comes. For instance, my dad died suddenly, and mom really wasn't prepared, and they hadn't really talked a whole lot. They The only thing that they knew is where they wanted to be buried, because the whole family was buried there, and that's that was, that was a given. But we had been friends with the mortuary for many years, because my family owned an ambulance company, and back in those days, we worked together. Like if somebody died at home, it was the ambulance's responsibility to pick them up and take them to the mortuary. And so we we knew them well. We also rented limousines for the services. That, so we had limousines and we were at the mortuary practically every day with limousines. And when dad died, we went down, my sister and my mom and I went down to make arrangements. And it was tough. My mom was just especially since it was a, a sudden death and she wasn't anticipating it. She was just having a really hard time trying to figure out even being able to answer questions without breaking into tears. And so unbeknownst to my sister and I, my mom decided uh, a while after dad died, I don't know how long because I didn't know this happened. <laughs> she went down to the mortuary and made her own arrangements. And 
I thought that was great when I found out. And it was so when my sister and I went to the mortuary to make mom's arrangements, they said, well, she did everything beforehand. Everything's paid for. We've got all all she wants for her service and it's all here. So there was very little that we had to do at that point. And it was so nice because it was such a struggle with dad. And a couple of weeks after that, we got a letter from the mortuary saying, we were looking into your mom's account and we discovered that she had done the same thing twice. And they had recorded everything twice and collected a payment twice for the whole thing. Wow. And it really surprised me since it was a small town and we knew them well. You'd think that they would have noticed that they did that. And I thought, well, I'm at least glad that they're ethical enough to tell us now and, and refund the money because they could have kept the money and we never would have known the difference. So mm-hmm. for me, that was a real lesson to make sure that everything's taken care of ahead of time. And that way you'll know what you want and you know that that's what you're getting. And uh, in your situation with the financial planning, I wish mom would have had that because she ultimately died of complications with a brain tumor. And that that went on for about a year before she died, the, the things that were going on. And I was trying to take care of her, but I didn't, she she had assured me that all of her financial things were taken care of. She either had them on automatic payments and we owned a company and the company took care of a lot of things. And so I, I discovered during that time that she might've thought things were arranged for, but they weren't. And trying to find accounts and what was what and where it was, was a real challenge. So you're a blessing to people <laughs> to be able to get to work with you who who have the skills and availability on both sides. The other thing to to um, for your listeners to understand, Emily, is that I don't provide one on one on one advice anymore. All I'm basically doing now is following this marketing program to market my book uh, across Canada and the United States. So it's uh, it, and that's where my passion lies is in this. But ironically, after after three decades of of stressing to people that they should get their their affairs in order and and be prepared for this sort of time, in regards to a premature death uh, or or even an incapacity, a heart attack or a stroke, and and being placed in the hospital, regarding powers of attorney and medical directives, two months after I published my book, I was diagnosed with a brain tumor. Fortunately, it was a non-cancerous brain tumor, and I've since had it removed, most of it removed, actually. But uh, it, it, it seems that there's a higher power at work in my life, uh, which has spared me uh, almost a death sentence uh, so that I can keep sharing this message, which I think is critically important. And that's wonderful. My my mom wasn't lucky enough to have an operable tumor, so we just had to deal with it. And then her sister ended up with the same thing and I ended up being her executor and I was grateful for all I learned with mom. And at least she had, my aunt had made arrangements for me to be, uh, to take care of her affairs beforehand when she could make those kind of decisions. So it's just so important. And I think it's wonderful. Some Somebody like you could have the health condition that you have and say, okay, I'm I'm not going to do this anymore. <laughs> and we, mm-hmm. a lot of us would have missed out on your book and all that you're doing to help people. 
Well, it's it's just starting to get uh, traction, Emily. But I recently found out that a life insurance company here in Canada is making my book the cornerstone of their 2024 sales campaign. And I've also got a bank actually interested in engaging with my message as well. Uh, and the Canadian Hospice and Palliative Care Association is looking at engaging with my message in regards to their advanced care planning day coming up in April of 2024. And I, and I also have two prominent financial columnists in the media currently reading my book too. So it's it's starting to get some traction, but it is uh, it, it certainly takes a lot of effort, as you know, being an author yourself. Mm-hmm. It does. Those are absolutely wonderful resources for you. That's the sort of thing that I, I have um, tried to get some traction with. And I haven't okay. had a lot of luck with that. I think it's because it's grief and it just just basically dealing with grief and finding happiness. And I know <laughs> a lot of people still say you can't be happy and grieve at the same time. And that's my my whole mission is to show people that they can. Yes. Well, one of the things I'd recommend you consider doing, Emily, is is checking a program, a masterclass program, um, along the lines of what I'm using. I'm following the 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 Chilton method, and David Chilton is a very prominent nonfiction author here in Canada, who ended up becoming a dragon on Dragon's Den. I'm sure you're familiar with Shark oh, yeah. Tank in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Well, he has uh, the Canadian version is Dragon's Den, and David Chilton was a dragon for three seasons, but I'm following his masterclass in regards to publishing and marketing a, a good nonfiction book. So his his strategies are, are proving to be very extremely helpful, actually. That sounds great. I will definitely look into that. I think we all can uh, support each other and help each other out with things like that because there's there's a lot of authors out there and there's some wonderful things mm-hmm. that, that are available that in in the days past where you couldn't uh, have as easy access to publication as as we do now. I know yes. all but one of my book of books has been traditionally published instead of self published and. I haven't been able to do much with them once I wrote them because the the company's in charge then. And the one that I self-published, I just love because I can do whatever I want to. (laughs) And we're we're able to get a lot more visibility and a lot more things happening that way. Yes. So tell me, what is the first most important thing people should do right now, no matter what health or age they are, that will help them have some peace of mind for their future as far as uh, things relating to their mortality? Well, this sounds like a very biased answer to that question, Emily, but I I, I truly do think that my book is is a is a a good resource, and I strategically wrote it this way. As I said, it's really just a conversation starter. But if I was to give specific advice, such as getting will or pulling out your will and reading it and talking to your family about whether you want burial or cremation, those things are all covered in my book. And it's... I'm getting all kinds of excellent feedback from people who have gone over my book and read it. 
uh, who are saying that it's really inspired them to to get their affairs in order. And that's why I'm, I'm, my gut reaction is just to say, get the book, whether it's an ebook or an audiobook version of it or the paperback version. It can, if, if anyone goes to my website, do not ignore your mortality.com. You'll learn, they'll learn more about my backstory and, and find uh, links to all the major retailers of how they can find this book and, and, and get reading it. And we will have all those links in the show notes for this recording so that you can easily find them there and get easily to this information, which I know you're going to want to have. And I think to one of the other things is to not be not have fear around talking about this information. I, I think a lot of times that happens. I, I know in my situation with my aunt that I mentioned, she had another sister who was killed in a car accident. And at the gathering at her house after the the service, she said, there's something I've got to tell you. And I said, okay. And she told me that she had gotten all of her affairs in order and that I was her executor and I had her durable power of attorney and all that sort of thing. And I said, well, thank you. I, I'd be happy to do that for you. I, I thought it was kind of odd she didn't ask before she just automatically put me in charge of all that, but I was okay with that. And so I said, so when did you make all these arrangements? And she said, oh, about seven years ago. <laughs> and I thought, oh my goodness, I'm so glad that nothing happened to her in that time yeah. period. And she also hadn't told her son who just assumed that he would have all those rights and privileges, but he he had some challenges and she knew he did and knew that it would be difficult for him to handle everything that was involved. And she knew that I could easily handle it. So, and she told me then too, because I asked her about that. I asked about her son and I said, so did you tell him that you put me in charge? And she said, Oh no, I didn't want to hurt his feelings. Or when I said, I will do this under the condition that you tell your son, because he's got to know. Mm hmm. And otherwise, we're going to be, you know, fighting against getting anything done. And so she she finally realized that that was the wise thing to do. And it helped out so much. I don't know what I would have done if I had to fight with him to get done what needed to be done for her because he just yeah. wasn't he wasn't capable. Yes, that's one of the things, Emily, that I that I cover in the book as well is that open communication, that's actually the first chapter, is, is focuses on communication and openly talking with your family about what you want to have happen. Any, any type of secrecy and, and fear among the efforts to put these, these plans properly in place really just results in negativity and inaction, which, which should be avoided. Engaging your family and talking about what you want to have happen at the end of your life and and also talking to them about the legacy that you want to leave it, is all favorable. It's a, it's a win-win situation for everyone. It's just a matter of having the courage to talk about these things. Yes, and it's it, it's just essential. And I I guarantee you through experience that you'll feel so much better when you do talk about it. That it it just it will make your life easier. And actually, one of the things Emily that I learned doing the research for this was was that uh, the the process of planning our end of life affairs actually reduces the stress of aging. Hmm. That makes perfect sense. Isn't that something? Yeah, that really makes sense. Yes. 
Yeah, you know, I, I think of people that I've known that are older couples that hadn't made any arrangements and when one of them goes, the other one is so lost and has had no idea what to do. Yeah. And that that makes it really hard. Yeah, my, my own grandmother, after my grandfather died, she ended up getting her driver's license at the age of 70. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that bizarre? And she drove for 10 years and uh, gave it up after that. But I can't imagine uh, trying to get your driver's license at the age of 70 after your spouse has driven you all over the place for the, your all, your full married life. That's bizarre. It, it is, but there are lots of people like that. With my situation, my mom uh, lived about six years after my dad died, and she drove wherever she wanted to go and did whatever she wanted to do with with the car and she got to the point once once we realized what was going on with her that it was not safe for her to do that and she would say okay i won't drive and then as soon as we were out of sight she'd be back in the car so we finally arranged my my daughter and I lived about an hour away from where mom was. And so I it took my daughter up with me one day and my daughter just drove her car home to her house <laughs> an hour away where mom didn't know where it was. And mom right. had told my daughter at, at some point that she wanted her to have the car when after she died didn't put it in writing, but she told her that that's what she wanted to, to have done. So we didn't really feel bad about doing that. But when I would take her to the doctor before this happened, every time, it didn't matter what kind of doctor it was that I took her to, she said, I, I want you to make sure that I can drive, that you don't you don't take away my driving privileges. And mm -hmm. I was standing behind her going, no. <laughs> and, and the doctors fortunately paid attention to me and and uh, did because they she actually ended up not having her driver's license anymore and she was she wouldn't drive without her driver's license but she was sure trying to talk the doctors into helping her get it back and that wasn't yeah. going to happen. Well, and, and none of us want that type of control taken away from us that's that's our freedom uh, is being able to hop in a vehicle and, and go and do what we want to do. And having that that stripped from us, it is just another sign that our life is coming to an end, which is a, not an overly up, uplifting thought, but it is mm -hmm. something that we all have to face. That's right. And I don't know if you've noticed this, but and maybe it's just because I do all this uh, work around grief and, and dying and things like that. It seems like anymore, there are lots of resources out there that I don't remember those things being available before. The the book that was, I'm dead, now what? In, in the U.S. anyway, became incredibly popular because it's just a fill in the blanks of these are all the things that your loved one will need to know when you are dead. And yes. it, uh, it people just bought it like crazy. And I, I think that in any way to do that, to to have the the right arrangements made for you, whatever it is, and to ask the right questions and know what questions you need to ask. What what sort of questions can you think of that would be most important for somebody to uh, know the answers to? Well, I at the end of the five chapters in in my book. 
I, I raised some good questions for people to to ask of their family members, such as at, at the time of, of hearing about a, f- a family member or a friend who's hospitalized or going through some issues like that, that's a perfect time to bring up these these points with your own family because it's it's top of mind. They're they're in the mode of, of thinking about it to say something like, well, when that when I get to the point, uh, this is what I want or who do you think is best to help sort through these these sorts of things at that time? How will you remember me when I'm gone? Did you know that that people did you know that roughly half the the population in the US and in Canada does not have a, a valid and current will? Do you know what happens if if someone dies intestate without a will? You know, these are all types of questions that I as I said I pose in the book to really get people thinking and speaking to their family about. It's so important because if you don't have a will, you pretty much know that things aren't going to turn out the way you have in mind. <laughs> yes, well, a will is the only way, Emily, that that people can can nominate who is to wrap up their life. That's rather important. It really is, and it's not always easy to talk to your your family. I know when I was trying to tell my daughter once what I wanted, and she just said, no, I don't want to hear it. I'm not going to talk about it. You're not going to die. It's just, yeah. This is an incredibly intelligent girl with a, a fabulous career that she knows better than that. And she would be giving the same advice to somebody else that, uh, finding out what you need. But when it came to her, she at that point anyway, she couldn't handle it. So yeah. find a way to be able to actually communicate with who you need to communicate with. Yes. And and another thing I point out is that the, the timing may not be right. Mm-hmm. But it, it, and it's hard to know when the timing will be right because it may never be right. And you may just have to keep bringing these things up over and over and over again. And and I've, I, I've, when I worked as a financial advisor, I would often suggest that, that clients go home and talk to their children about what, you know, we had discussed and how they want this to be done or that to be done or where to find their important papers or that they were thinking about getting more life insurance or or whatever the case may be and and as you said there's a lot of children who just put up the wall and and say well I don't want to talk about this it, it's uh, but when are you going to talk about it then I know I I knew one young woman who had two very small children and she was diagnosed with cancer and was sick for 4 years before she died so her children were very young when she died So during that time, while she was dealing with her illness, she was writing letters to her children to be opened on like their birthdays, uh, you know, individually to each child, their their birthdays, when they graduated from high school, when they got married, all that sort of thing. And I just thought that was so beautiful that she was able to do that before she died. And it made me think, if you've got children or loved ones that uh, don't want to hear Write them letters now while you can and have them available to them when the time comes and they need to have access to that information so that they at least have something and they can know that they're uh, making decisions for their loved one based on what their loved one really wanted to do. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a, it's a different way to handle things, but I always say say it now you know don't wait you never know when you're you're not going to be able to say it again yeah that's right very true 
So I, when uh, my dad died, before he died, mom and dad happened to stop in, in town where we lived when they were driving through. And I called the kids to see if they could come have lunch with all of us. And my daughter was really busy and didn't really want to come. And I said, well, it's up to you. Do what you want to do. And she ended up coming in and being there for just a little bit and giving him a hug and saying hi and that sort of thing and leaving. And then he died suddenly not long after that. And she just was so upset that she hadn't told him that she loved him the last time that she saw him. Yeah. I thought, how, how can you ever know when the last time is going to be that you see somebody that you love? It's just, unless they're on hospice and on their way out, you, you, might not have any idea what that time's going to be. That's that's very true. And I, I think we need to appreciate every day that we have and, and tell others more frequently how we truly do care about them. Yes, I I do I just totally believe that. It's it's very, very important to do that. And I think especially since I've had two husbands die, I really realized the value of that. And and I can honestly say right now, I think that I've said what I need to to everybody. I want to know whatever it is that that I said. And that doesn't mean things don't come up or I don't change my mind or something at, at some point, but at least I'm in communication about things that are important and to not right. ignore the things that are important. Yes. Yeah. Very, very good point. Well, what would you to to tie this up to wind it all up together? What's what's your most important message that you want people to know right now? When it, when I sign my book, Emily, I, I write the first thing I write is do it for them, and I think that's a, a good general message. As people open my book and see my signature on it, it in because it really gets to the the whole point of of why I had written this book is to get people thinking and taking taking action, not just reading the book and thinking, well, yeah, I should do this or I should do that and, and, and never following through. I want people to follow through with the thought that it's, 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 it's not for them really. It's, it's, it's for, for those that you love because after, after we're dead and gone, the will, the power of attorney, and all those documents, and the life insurance, and the, and the beneficiary designations, etc., make it so much easier for those that we love and care about. And that's really the the whole emphasis of of why I'm promoting this this movement, as I'm calling it. And I still haven't got it memorized yet, but this is what I'm calling it: the mortality mindset movement which is a growing mindset where followers uphold their living legacy by becoming the best version of themselves and ultimately leave their last legacy as the best one possible. Wow. What a great thing. <laughs> That's marvelous. <laughs> Congratulations on that. That, that can yes. help well, so many people. Well, I'm, I'm just trying to, to create a movement here, really, Emily, because this we've been dancing around these issues for, for years in the financial industry, in the legal industry, in the funeral industry, in the medical industry. Now we're at a point, especially coming through the COVID-19 pandemic, people are more so on the same page that people need to get their act together. Yeah, I think probably the pandemic did more good than anything else toward getting people to wake up and pay attention to these issues, that it is really important. 
It, it is. Yeah. And, and doing nothing is really just no excuse. Mm-hmm. That's right. Absolutely. Yeah. But I was on a podcast earlier this morning and there was a a, a doctor who, who uh, mentioned a, a very uh, interesting quote. He said that a life unplanned is life poorly lived. Mm, that's a really good one. That gets to the crux of things, doesn't it? It really does, because that, that applies to everything. Yeah. It, it really does. Well, that what a great note to end on. I really appreciate that. And I asked him if I could use it, and he said, no problem. By all means, spread the word. Oh, that's great. Well, consider it spread with my my audience, because <laughs> we've got a lot of people who listen here, and I, I think that's just wonderful. It's, it's so, so important. So for my listeners, I have I will have on the show notes all the links where you can get a hold of the book, where you can get a hold of, of this marvelous guest, <laughs> whoever the however you like you would like to do that. And I encourage you all to pay attention to his suggestion here, because it, it really can bring you a lot of peace of mind. So thank you for listening and thank you for being here and we will see you again next time. Thank you. Do you want more comfort, support, and happiness? Join the Grief and Happiness Alliance. Visit my website at lovingandlivingyourwaythroughgrief.com and read my book, Loving and Living Your Way Through Grief. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast, rate it, review it, and binge on all our episodes on grief and happiness. I can't wait to welcome you back to another episode.